started going down department stores, literally looking at who are all the brands that they carry and how many of those brands are designers of color and realized that less than 1% at the time were designers of color. And I was like, okay, this is it. I have to at least try to be a part of the solution. And welcome back to You Have to Wear Something. I'm still your host, Nicole Briggs, and today we have the honor of speaking with Iowa based fiber artist and interior designer Candace Luter. Um, she began creating designs in 2014, and she was also Etsy's 2021 Grand Prize winner. Welcome to the show, Candace. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat today. Yes, yes. So I've been binging all of your designs, <laughs> going through Etsy. And then I was like, oh, it's a black woman. I'm even more deeply invested. Yes, let me know what you need, girl. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Just because, you know, black creatives, like we have such a time. We come from a time where, you know, you kind of have to get like a, a, a stable job, a real mm-hmm. job. Yep. And sometimes when you want to go the more artistic route, it's not always, you know, supporting it. We understand that that's like a protection mechanism to make sure yeah. that we have a great career, a great livelihood, you know, because, you mm-hmm. know, we, we are, we're, you know, the struggle continues. Yep. <laughs> However, um, I just love this kind of, I feel like we're in a bit of a renaissance where people, especially with the pandemic, are just leaning into, um, their true calling, their real purpose, their real, you know, vision for their career and then their life as a whole. And, you know, I was listening to your story and I think that COVID and the pandemic was um, a true like reset. Is that, you know, basically what happened with you? I'd love to hear kind of what happened there and what that awakening was. Yeah, it has just been the most winding journey that I never thought I'd be on. And I still feel like it's twisting and turning. (laughs) So I've just kind of learned to just like let go and let God like truly because I never realized how out of control I was, I think, when pandemic hit. So, you know, to your point, to kind of recap, I was already working full time um, and a single mom. And I was already doing this artistic stuff on the side and I had kind of launched on Etsy and some different platforms just to see what would happen, right? Because I felt like at this point, I have nothing to lose. I know I've always had this creative side, but you know, to your point, um, you know, I'm 38. So when I was younger, you know, doodling and being artistic, I mean, entrepreneur was not a word. Right. Uh, People have said like being a starving artist. So I didn't have the opportunities and exposure to what a creative can do. Like my daughter now has the opportunity to experience, you know, in this age. Um, And so I'm very like excited for her, but also very jealous of that thinking like, oh my gosh, what I could have done when I was younger. Um, So I did the whole corporate America route and then I kind of shifted and left corporate America. Of course, everyone thought I was losing my mind um, and went to go work sales in commercial design which was a great opportunity um, to work for a small design company. And so through that journey in sales and business development, I started doing this stuff on the side and it really quickly started to pick up. But being a single mom, you've got to have that regular paycheck, right? And so the thought of leaving is very scary. I mean, I'm now doing this full time and it's still scary every day. Like it's going to be scary. I think it's supposed to be scary and no one knows what they're doing. Um, So it really was about that time in pandemic when I got the call um, from my manager and she said, hey, we're going to have to let you go and lay you off. And I kind of had this comfort in knowing that a lot of other people I knew were getting laid off too. Like it was just happening to everyone. So I feel some comfort in that. And I thought, oh, well, you know, they're saying they might bring me back in a month. It'll be fine. And you know me, I'm thinking, woohoo, a month off from work. Like, oh, this is going to be great. I have all kinds of shows on Netflix I want to watch. Um, And uh, reality didn't really hit me until when she called back in a month and said, well, we want to recap. And you know, there's several of you that we just can't bring back. And I, my mouth about dropped open because I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm 38. I'm a mom. I'm now like technically in the unemployment line. I've never been laid off before. You know, I've never been, you know, unemployed or in the unemployment line. Like what is happening? Yeah, um, that was and, scary. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, so, so scary. So yeah. I kind of was like, okay, I'm getting kicked out of this nest of safety so I'm just gonna have to learn to fly and so I thought well until I find something else 
I'll just devote all my time and attention to my art business. And it took off. I could not believe it. It was incredible. I know. I was just like, this is exactly the story that most people, which they call quote unquote, you know, side hustle. Mm -hmm. Everyone is hoping that their side hustle will take off in the way that yours did. Um, And because you did kind of work in design, I do want to ask, by watching that business, did that help you like prepare you to be an entrepreneur and then like, you know what, I could do this. You know, Mm -hmm. I know how to run a design business. I'm in sales. Sales and marketing is like the most important part because I'm I'm a sales manager as well. Yeah. And it's like, wow, I always think like I could be doing this for me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And so was it, was it like, wow, you know, this experience was worth it even though you got furloughed because it kind of helped you really truly start your business? Yeah. You know, it's interesting, and I'll answer this from a couple different viewpoints. There's a lot of small businesses, creatives, designers, you know, or people that I feel like they're like, oh, well, I'm just going to go do this. And they don't really have a foundation of repeat customers or maybe even any customers, right? So you definitely don't want to like jump into something both feet when you really either don't know where you're going or you don't have some sort of stable something coming in right like i already had that and so there was kind of safety in well you know i'm already contracted with this retailer and you know we have a steady stream of orders coming in here so there was a safety in knowing that stuff was coming in um but again i was still afraid to leave and so i know i wouldn't be doing what i was doing today without that but i will say to add another twist to it i actually don't have a design degree at all so i've never been to design school i've never taken a design class i've never done anything i just know what I like and seem to have an eye for that and that seems to resonate with people and I think I struggled the most in my own value and worth and what I bring to the table because I still to this day cringe when someone says oh she's a designer she's an artist and I think there's that small part of me that's still not is not needing that validation but I'm still almost having to convince myself that I'm good at what I do and I know what I'm doing. So I say that to say, you know, there was definitely some contracts that I shouldn't have signed early on, but I didn't know my own value. And so I was looking for retailers to sort of validate me that you are an artist, you are a designer. And so when you talk about sales, I mean, yes, I brought my sales and project management management skills, but that design mind was still so fragile and vulnerable because I still didn't think that I was that good or I was still surprised every time I got a sale like what somebody wants to buy this they think this is great you know so really sales is selling yourself and it also goes into how you price yourself and so you know even pricing was a struggle because I mean I could have charged maybe a thousand dollars for something but in the beginning maybe I was only charging 200 because I didn't you know want to be that person where people are thinking oh who does she think she is you know she's not yeah yeah and that's hard that's really hard yeah, because you don't want to price yourself out like no one buys it, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. I also think, too, like, look, right? We love that credentialed person, like mm-hmm. in my degree, persons, et cetera. You know, being credentialed, though, and doing is two different things. There are people yeah. that have a six-figure education in painting and are not painting. Right. This is true. Yep. So, you know, you're doing it and doing is the part that's the living right not the piece of paper you know and I and respect to anyone who has struggled who put themselves through design school you know who's even the people that have writer's block right like I don't have anything to put on paper you know Mm -hmm. it's a process being artists so complex and also when it becomes business that's the other part too like I'm sure you have pieces that are like your bestsellers, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. then you have other things that you want to try that you're like, well, I don't know, maybe if that idea will sell, <laughs> you know, yeah. but you love, you're loving that idea. Yes. Yeah. I usually kind of go with my gut a little bit and I'm also the kind of person to jump in with both feet. And I don't know if that's a good trait, um, but I definitely didn't know anything about running a business. And so me just jumping into it and figuring it out, I think that works for me because that's just part of my personality. And I think I had to learn to accept myself as a creative because creatives typically, right? We're not good on tests. We're very disorganized. We probably all have ADD and we're just like all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember one day somebody saying, Candace, I don't know why you're trying to put yourself in a box that God didn't design you to be in. And I started bawling and I was like thinking, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that, but thank you for giving me permission to be me. 
And so you're right, like the credentials and all of that stuff, I didn't realize that I could just lead with my gut and what feels good to me. And then to let those customers find me, not trying to push those things into people and to get people to want to like me to, to bite that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like from you believing in yourself and loving yourself, like the right people will show up. I always, yeah kind of hokey but it's really facts Mm -hmm. if you are just truly yourself and not worried about anyone else then like your people show up yes right customer uh the right support um I want to talk a little bit about your inspiration um I was hearing that you were inspired you know by Scandinavian and Japanese Mm -hmm. design hieroglyphics skyscrapers which I'm really into because I'm from Chicago we're both oh yeah okay (laughs) <laughs> and uh, all grew up on the Great Lakes water here. Yes. Um, and so I'd love to hear that because, like, why fiber, right? Why mm-hmm. the ropes? Why the dyeing? I would love to hear how you, you know, yeah. decide on that. Well, it's interesting. I was doing upcycling for a while, and I think maybe a lot of people were, and some people still are, you know, kind of when Pinterest first came out. And I think that was just me just feeling the water's creativity or creatively. But after a while, I bought a small house for myself and my daughter, and there wasn't a lot of wall space, and I couldn't find things that spoke to me, particularly in my area, just because the Midwest tends to be a little bit conservative. We like our farmhouse styles. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm I all just, about it. I'm in LA for oh, years, so I, I, you know, some of that I'm like, oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's true, and that was that's one thing I do want your you know listeners to understand is it's really hard, and you get a lot of pressure as an entrepreneur about finding your customer, right? Find your customer, find your customer customer discovery and it took me a little while to realize that my customer wasn't here and it wasn't around me and that was okay my customer were east coast west coast but i didn't live in the east coast west coast so that was a challenge and once i got onto that nugget it was good but i just started designing stuff for my house and styles that spoke to me and then that's when things just started taking off not necessarily what people expected of me so yeah i did start in fiber art and then kind of drifted off a little bit to mirrors and honestly mirrors are the biggest selling thing that we do and i never thought i'd be in the mirror business Yes, that is new to me because I'm looking at your site. I would think it would be the fiber items. No, yeah. If you um, go on either Instagram or website or anything like that, there is a mirror in particular called Glissando, and it is a hand textured application on top of a mirror, and that is our number one selling thing. And that actually came about because we were seeing scratched mirrors in our production line, and I thought, oh, I wonder what would happen if I covered this up with texture. Well, I did. That's the hottest selling thing that we sell, and that actually was what won us the design award for Etsy um, in 2021. So, oh, like, I love it. This is actually my favorite thing. I actually was like, okay, I love that. Like, yeah. I'm obsessed with that. That I feel like I want to go into a boutique hotel and see this. I'm, I hope this <laughs> in the hotel. <laughs> yeah, it just you know, accidents happen, right? And so I've just kind of embraced the bumps, embraced the you know, scratched mirrors to do something with them. And so setbacks, I feel like, are just an opportunity for a comeback. And I know that sounds super cheesy, but I've been able to bounce back, I think, in more ways from the negative things that have happened. No, these are beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, so I was looking, I was like, oh, it's probably the fiber art. It's probably like <laughs> bread and butter. You know what I mean? No, the mirrors are fantastic. Thank um, you. We're talking about upcycle. Like, why is that important? You know, we're, everyone's talking about climate change and recycling mm-hmm. and, and all of that. Like, why is that important to upcycle? I, you know, and this could just be my years of growing up poor (laughs) and also maybe being a single mom too and I don't want to like write on that as like a grudge but that was just the circumstances and so I think I learned early on upcycling before upcycling was even a thing because I just used whatever leftover materials I had or stuff that I found at Goodwill and tried to do something with it just because resources were limited and so it's interesting now in my business you know we've got Uh, rope clippings everywhere and I'm like save them save them (laughs) you know I've like kind of turned into a hoarder a little bit but we've actually been able to create some really cool designs from recycled fiber clippings and things like that I'm just a big firm believer and there's still life left in the things that are easily discarded you just need to look at it from a different perspective and so I think it's also just like the socially conscious thing to do too so it's kind of ingrained into me (laughs) to be resourceful but it also makes me then just feel good because we're doing something with that material as well 
Yeah, I went to this talk. Um, there were these free fashion classes for like mm-hmm. color and I'm forgetting the name. I could always share it with you, but you, cause you could actually host one. Actually, now I'm thinking about all this really? talking to you, but I'll, I can offline it with you, but they had a class and it was called um, material literacy. Mm. And it was talking about a time when we did keep stuff, we made stuff out of it and to truly be materialistic means you have respect for the material uh, you, have, I love that. you have respect for the fabric you have respect for like a t-shirt whoever made it we're very removed with fast fashion and stuff yeah. we don't mm-hmm. have material we're not truly materialistic materialistic is not being wasteful mm-hmm. you know, actually being respectful of the whole process from cotton growing to the process it takes to refine it all of that you know That's- Cool. Yep. Also helped me like reframe because I I buy to collect. I kind of buy like a collector. I really like, wow, how long will I keep this item? I really don't want my pieces in the landfill anytime Mm -hmm. soon. And so, um, yeah, when you just were speaking about that, it made me think about this class and about what it truly means to be, you know, materialistic. So I love that aspect of your your business. And you're not a hoarder. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'll be on that show, like on TV, Hoarders, Hoarders Anonymous (laughs) or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you you bring up a good point. I heard someone yesterday actually talk about like honoring, you know, the cycle that that went through and honoring those leftover materials. And so I never really had looked at things that way. Um, But that's a really good way to point, uh, to put that. And I think that sounds like a really awesome class. I might have to look into that. I'm going to find out where I was at. They're building a school in New York and I like you I have so many plates spinning for no reason including trying to do the podcast so <laughs> I'll look for it but I'm always trying to fill my head with the knowledge I actually went to school for journalism so okay. I'm able to kind of get the job I wanted which was in fashion journalism and that's okay. a whole talk about how that's an exclusive type of job but yeah. um, I could never get like the job job and then so this is full circle you know mm-hmm. things like open and democratic with the internet so you could just produce your own damn show so here exactly. I am <laughs> I know. love this age anybody can be anything and like you said everyone's in this renaissance sort of era where we're just realizing what's important and life is short and so it's just like I need to do me right just like you need to do you and so I love that we've got all this access to technology and reaching people we wouldn't normally have you know met yeah um talk to me about the transition the scary part of being a single mom right and being yep. and then the part where you realize like yo like orders are coming in um I have my Etsy account but how do you decide like this is the thing when was the moment like I'm not going back to corporate America uh probably the day that I was like looking up jobs while I was like processing orders and I was looking like grocery store clerk and this and that and I about cried and I thought I can't do it I can't go back Um, And I think in part two, having my staff of women who have really been there with me since the beginning, so this also kind of feels like their business too, coming in and feeling their energy and watching them, you know, produce the designs and see what it's doing for them. And then for them to also see how it's impacting them outside of the studio and where these pieces are going. I really just started to sort of see this community being created of women who are getting to know each other. We're kind of like, you know, sisters, sisters from other misters. Um, And it was probably a couple months in, you know, as I'm seeing these sales like tripling, that I thought, okay, we've really got something here and I need to do whatever it is that I can do to keep going and not go back to where I was. This is where I was made and meant to be. And I never really had that in my life before. Like I kind of always felt like something was missing or I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grow up and, you know, didn't really know what I had to offer. And so really it was more an emotional and mental process for me to kind of find myself in that first year of pandemic to like, yes, this is Candace Loader Art and Interiors. This is what we do and this is what I'm about. I love that. I wanted to ask you, since you brought up the women, I was getting to that, that you have a lot of different women working for you, Mm -hmm. different backgrounds. You were saying you were learning how to work with tools from some of the women. Yeah. Uh, Talk to me about kind of business and community and how important Mm -hmm. that is. Because everyone, all the marketing agencies are like, it's all about storytelling, storytelling, you know. Yeah. 
you know, I would love your perspective on that because you do seem like there's a bit of a sisterhood there and, um, you know, we really show up for each other. So, yes, I totally agree. So we've got probably about 4,500 square feet in this beautiful empty warehouse that sat forever. Um, and we've got, um, six of us that are there and all of us have families. Some of them have other jobs. And so we've got this sort of flexible environment where once you're kind of training, you know what you need to do, you can kind of adjust and flex your hours as long as stuff gets done but we're in there together I've always said this as a we and so even when I talk on social media and I'll be honest I am horrible at marketing myself and social media and kind of talking about the story you know behind that but I'm always saying it doesn't matter whose name is on it it's a we because I couldn't do it without them and they make me look good so I always make sure that they're included in a lot of meetings or I'm recapping you know hey we just had a successful business development meeting and here's what happened Um, every month we have what I call a donut meeting it's really just an opportunity to eat donuts, but I kind of <laughs> tried to turn it into this like do not stop believing meeting. Um, right. And we just kind of just take time to just laugh and talk, but I'm actually going to be using that now to involve um, an HR company to like to develop them, to create job paths within the company and to figure out how they want to grow personally and professionally. And I've always said like family comes first. This stuff is not rocket science and it's not important. Even though some clients act like the world is going to go up in flames if they don't get a piece of fiber art, it's not. And so if something comes up with their family or whatever, that always comes first. And so I think when as women, when you understand that you work for somebody who not only values you, but understands when you come in and maybe you're crying because you just had a fight with your husband. Right. Somebody that gets that, you can show up as yourself here. And I don't, I think we're really missing that in the workplace and not the workplace is always a place for that. But I've always said, Hey, you got a key. You got in a fight with your husband and you need to sleep on one of the couches here in like the photo studio. You do you like, this is a safe place for you to be and to come as you are with no judgments. And we are here together going through this journey together. In fact, I think the first training night I said, you guys, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know where the hell we're going, but we're going to do this together. And so we've just, I've just had that vulnerability and that transparency with them when I don't know something I don't know it but we figure it out together yeah I think in corporate jargon they would call that people first management which everyone throws around and says conscious leaders but when there's a true crisis like you said you argued with your man or something you know rarely are you allowed to like go home or yeah moment you know they're usually like oh like take a walk and then we'll see you in 10 you know exactly (laughs) well and I think I've had mentors say well I don't know that you want to be that open with your employees I don't know if you want to be that transparent and I've struggled with that because if I can't be open and transparent with transparent with them and they can't see the the raw journey of what it is to be an entrepreneur and a business owner and just a woman and a human then what are we doing this for because it's not about the products It's about my employee knowing that I'm in a rough spot in my marriage. And when she's in a rough spot, she knows that she has someone that she can talk to and confide in. So, yeah, I kind of throw all that advice out the window sometimes when it comes to mentors. I'm like, I'm going to do me and run my staff how I want to run my staff. Um, Talk to me a little bit about your daughter, um, because I know she's, you know, time just passes. So she was probably way shorter and younger at the beginning of it. Now she's, is she 18, 17? She is. She's a freshman in college. My one ah! baby, I know. And she's like states away. So I'm feeling the emptiness thing like hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. My cousin's going through that hard now. She just yeah. run off to college. Um, and it, it is. It is something. At least you already had something going on. <laughs> this is true. It keeps me distracted. Definitely <laughs> busy. But, you know, that moment of when she's like kind of a tween to a teen to now a young adult, this process, this example for her, how do you think this has affected her? Like, has it shown her like, look, like lean into your gifts. It's possible to also make it a business. Like, I'd love to hear that because you don't always have the proper example growing up. Again, we're coming from a, you know, a different time. Yes, this is true. Cause I feel like when I was younger, you know, it was sort of like kids are seen and not heard sort of a thing. So I've always Mm -hmm. been very open with her and we use everything as like a life experience. And I'm, you know, so she's been there with me since the beginning, like pounding, you know, tent pegs and trying to do farmer's markets when she was seven or six. She was helping me hand out business cards and hustle furniture out of U-Hauls. So she's seen the whole growth and she's usually there for every podcast or interview and helping me behind the scenes and helping me market at stuff. I would like to think over time, it's definitely helped 
occur in the long run to know if you want something you got to go after it and that sort of independent spirit that she has I know she gets from me but if you asked her she'd be like oh my gosh I hate coming to the warehouse because I have her boxing up product and vacuuming and everything else she's like uh, my assistant <laughs> whether she liked it or not but I would like to think that it's helped her um, in town or in time and you know she'll have those moments where she'll say I'm extremely proud of you okay I'm not gonna say anything else you know before I cry so I know she's getting it um, and I think it'll help her in the long run um talk to me about um, before this grand prize um, winner announcement and after like did it dramatically boost your business you know what it it didn't um, <laughs> it didn't and that's okay I don't think so. I mean, you know, I look back at that and the exposure was great. Obviously, the opportunity was great. Um, you know, the prize money was great. You know, and over a global competition, I was very humbled by that. In fact, when they called and said I won, I said, what? I said, there was some really cool furniture. Like, I was almost trying to talk her out of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know that it brought the exposure even that I think Etsy deserved, right? Like I, you know, I'm thinking, you know, where is the architecture digest of this world? And where's the different people that are covering the press of what makers are really trying to do in this day and age? And not even just like a woman owned business or a black owned business. Um, but you know, there's people out here that have real passions and real dreams that are trying to make something of themselves. And so I don't even know if Etsy got um, as much coverage and exposure for it as I feel like maybe they even should have. Um, it was a great to have that, you know, award and that recognition um, to us but it almost challenged me to, you know, what, what else can we do? What else is next? You know, what other winners can I support? Um, and just really give credit where credit is due because there's a lot of really cool, talented people on Etsy. Gotcha. Yeah, I, that is so funny you said it. And then going back to like Black-owned too, like were there anything, any struggles specific to being Black-owned? And I, I'll, I'll just, give, I'll share a little bit about yeah. the online store and like, Sometimes like the community always like wanting a discount, for instance, or mm -hmm. being told that my business is cute, you know, when it's like I'm trying to run business. Right. <laughs> like, were there anything specific to being not just a woman, but being black that were a bit of a hurdle for you? Yeah, I kind of feel so I'm biracial. My mom's white. My dad's black. I felt like, obviously, and I'm sure you recognize this too, there's this big surge right now for representation. Yes. Totally get that. And I'll be honest, in the beginning, I struggled with that a little bit because there was people that I was already selling with that really weren't promoting me. But once that happened, they suddenly wanted to promote me or wanted to whatever. And so to me, I can look at it two ways. I can either be offended by that and say, well, why now? You know, or I can look at that and say, are their eyes woke? And now they realize that they do need that, you know, representation and their intentions are in the right place. Or I guess, see, are their intentions not in the right place and they're just trying to check the box. So I really have just had to try to navigate when I'm approached with something. And it comes down to more of, connecting with the person rather than the company on who represents me, how they're representing me, are they doing it in the right way, or do I feel like I'm just, you know, a check on a box for them for the month? Yes, there is a lot of that. There is so much representation mm -hmm. on the runway and on magazine covers and in brands. And sometimes I'll go to a brand and I'm like, oh, this looks like a black owned brand. And then I'll find out it's not. And I'm like, right. whoa, like this totally looked like I don't know how I feel. I'm always so conflicted because it's yeah. like, wow, this is super cute and we have representation. But like what I'm wondering is, are black, are the black people that work there happy or do they have any black people working in this company or are they higher right. up or are they just on the front lines of retail? Like all of these questions and I probably overthink it a little bit, but I always think about the whole business. Like, is there a represent representation on the back end, on the admin side as well? Yes, I totally agree with you. And I think it could easily flip flop either way, right? Yay for representation or way, okay, you're doing it over the top. And now I just feel like I'm being exploited, right? Um, I have to wonder though, with some of the businesses, you know, when you're giving these people opportunities or representation, then what are you doing behind the scenes, right? Are you helping them make connections? Are you helping open doors for them? Like what more are you doing other than just something that was mutually beneficial for both of you? 
what else are you doing to help develop and promote that black artist or that, you know, that black manufacturer or whatever it is. And so I've had some very good experiences um, with some retailers who have definitely stayed in touch and they definitely didn't have to do that and that are trying to give me opportunities. And I appreciate that because I know that their heart is in the right place. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. Cause I just, I, you know, sometimes even with my own dollars, like of course the black marketing leads to more spending of black dollars, right? Right. right. Part that feels exploited, and at the same time you're happy for the representation. But yeah, I even have to stop myself. I think people don't really think about it's such a default to just spend at yeah. It's like everything, if you look around your apartment, it's Apple, it's, you know, mm-hmm. I have a Tesla, you know, it's like Frigidaire. It's like, people don't realize my glasses right now are Prada. Like it's like, mm-hmm. and then you have to be intentional yeah. to support sometimes, right? Yeah, I, I, of course. I, but I, the way that I found out about you is I saw your pieces on Etsy before I knew that you were a black woman. So that was more oh, like... Yeah, like the cherry on top. I was just on there doing my thing, looking for probably incense holders. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm usually looking for on Etsy. Like, of them and calm down. But yeah, I'm usually looking for like stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but like for smudge kits and stuff. Um, but um, yeah, and then I was like, oh, and then it kind of like, and then I went down a rabbit hole. Who is this person? Da, 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 da. Um, talk to me about West Elm. Is that? something new and exciting how did that come to be yeah so I actually was on um Etsy for a little bit and I didn't realize at the time that there are certain retailers that use both Pinterest and Etsy to kind of find new collaborators so I remember I got the email and I like quickly clicked off it you know because I was like oh my gosh you know and waited until a day or two before I responded um but I've been working with them since about 2019 and you know we've been able to do some great things with them you know great sales um you know adding more products here you know at the end of the month um and they've been a great supporter of my work where I'm going and wanting to understand the vision for my brand Um, so it's been great to have a retailer that you can work with that represents you in the best way I mean I there's plenty of times I've opened a West Elm email and my name in the mirror is there right I'm I'm yeah I'm happy to see the recognition and that it's not just like oh it's West Elm oh and by this artist it's no this is a Candace Luter mirror Um, and and so I think that is the best way to to have representation so I actually have a question for you from an sure. outside perspective. Um, so you talked about um, wanting to find and be intentional about purchasing. Kurt, I mean, there's no right or wrong answer to this. When you look at my industry in particular, and maybe others, I feel like, are there more Black designers, artists, small businesses that I'm not aware of? And why am I not seeing them? Or is there not as many? And I'm not seeing them because there just isn't as many. Do you know, like, you know, when we think about furniture and decor and stuff, let's say you wanted to be intentional about buying that from a black designer, like, where are you going to find that information? I struggle with this. I I just feel like one thing leads to another thing. Like when I talk about the community and I swear to God, I'm going to find this school that I've been taking these classes from (laughs) (laughs) and I can't remember it for for the life of me, but like. I'll attend something like I connect with a lot of just because I've been in luxury retail for a long time like I work for Alexander McQueen I had a streetwear online store and I did all the festivals I've been through this process you know in Chicago um, with another company that I had and and so first of all it was like community and people also knowing that I'm into that and I'm serious about black owned business yeah. and fine and fashion and like people will send me you know people and names and make suggestions I think it's like layers of it and then I will say very simply once you start looking at stuff on like Instagram or TikTok the algorithm will learn that taste mm-hmm. and as well as Pinterest yeah you know? and you'll start um being suggested I think it's easier with fashion like Wells Bonner and Telfar I feel like there's a spotlight on that right now you know with Pierre Moss and that I'm generally interested in and I seek out that info but in terms of like products the design space it's still predominantly very white dominant you yeah. know and um yeah I just I think the algorithm helps mm-hmm. and also think at the same time more black creators are getting confident in the business aspect like 
some it used to be I would go to like let's say a farmer's market and use like oh this black woman makes jewelry yeah for the website and they're like oh I'm not really on social I'm not I think everyone is clear that you have to have a presence yes and yeah oh so I think what it was is a lot of black designers were probably nervous you know because you are the minority in that space and not business savvy but that's changing everyone yeah. marketing everyone is exposing themselves to everyone you know so yeah I feel like there's just more artists with the confidence to just say hey I make this stuff I make rings these are the rings you know yeah. also black owned so marketing has gone up and now it's not a mystery you know where yeah. black designers are um, but it does take like some research. I I have a spreadsheet. I'm a little like <laughs> I have a spreadsheet of black designers, and so because I can't remember all of them, but I love yeah. the problem to have. Like yep. wow, there's so so many. Um, there's a woman that makes ceramics. Um, you know, yeah. I, I put her on the list basically. So when I find someone, I like put them on the list, put them on the list, and um, I think there's also several um, like collectives or initiatives like for instance the 15% pledge yeah for James um I'm on that site and you know all of us you should be too I don't know if you are or not but I am not <laughs> if you reach out to them they'll just put you on the site most likely you know I realize that okay yeah and they are getting not only are they getting pledges from let's say like Sephora or uh Target to dedicate 15% of their shelves to um black owned business they also just in general promote black owned business like you could just be um a vendor or a retailer um and kind of like in their friends and family list if you will yeah for sure so 15 percent pledge is also a great initiative and so of course i follow aurora i knew all about brothers valleys prior but like this yeah it just kind of blew up and really holding companies accountable who were like oh after george floyd we decided we care about this it's like yo like black americans have been here creating goods for like a long time like over a century so you know mm -hmm. little you know but you know it's late but it's okay <laughs> yeah at least it's happening right it i mean happening. so it's just a constant like thought process gallery la for instance and la is one of the few um sustainable and like you know she cares about the environment um sustainable boutiques in la she's like the only one in this black owned that's the shell um okay. i think so like i think it's just like i start adding one person and another person and i'm getting the info a little bit on many sides yep you know same mm -hmm. with the, and like harlem fashion world brandy's uh daniel who um i hope she won't sue me but i'm using <laughs> <laughs> of her voice um, on the opener talking about how she was shopping and just really when I used to shop too I was a big shopper back in the day I kind of chilled out but mm -hmm. it was just like I was only person in Neiman's or like Saks that was a black designer at the time was like Tracy Reese and oh. no one knew Tracy Reese was a black woman her name is pretty neutral you know mm -hmm. or or anglo if you will so no one were like oh it's a black woman like tracy reason her people have bought purchased her stuff without knowing she was a black woman right so you know it takes it takes work to be intentional and be like today I, I mean i even have an episode me and a really great friend of mine one of my best friends quentin we just decided we were going to have a black day in la oh, okay we weren't going to shop or spend any money anywhere that wasn't black owned it was a lot of driving <laughs> we woke up we wanted a coffee i wanted a craft coffee i'm bougie about my coffee uh -huh. we drove all the way <laughs> to lamar park to haroon h-a-r-u-n just to promote them i love it and we got very delicious coffee but right there there were a lot of other boutiques it's been filmed for insecure this area yeah and haroon also carries um uh, graphic t-shirts and uh, like African clothing and so we oh. actually ended up shopping there so I was like oh my god we also got clothing today so like mm -hmm. around the corner was Cam the African American Museum we ate at Post and Beam we went to go see um, uh, Jodie Turner Smith's movie with Daniel Kaluuya you know they're like outlaws I forgot the name of it yeah. I can't remember anything today but oh um, Slim and something oh yeah Queen, Queen and Slim Queen yeah, and yeah. And we went to see that because that's also a black director. I think we went to see it at a black owned one of Magic Johnson's um, theaters that he invested oh, wow. in. So we, I, 
I mean, we got home late, <laughs> but we have successful Black Day. But it really showed us. We also felt so full. I mean, I thought I was gonna yeah. cry for the day. Like, we felt it was like a spiritual experience. It was like yo, and it was also kind of sad because it was like we really had to drive around. Like, we almost need an app, like an app of like Black-owned businesses that people can like register or something just across the country and divide it up by like you know coffee shops or fashion or this or that so that they can be more identified i mean i think that would be great yeah i feel like there was something like that in the works but there's always room in the market for like a better version of it right if if doordash and grubhub and uber eats can all exist then (laughs) this app can exist right so but yeah it was an interesting day black day and so we get together like even in new york we'll, we'll do it in new york too um he lives in new york and i live in la but yeah it was it was interesting it it definitely showed like yo it's not even like that accessible to buy a black owned object right Right. (laughs) yeah and my point are they out there and we just don't know or there are just not that many you know and why and why aren't they do they need funding do they need exposure do they need somebody to help them with marketing you know i mean there's just so many hats to wear as a business I mean, I've got a lot of people helping me, and even then, I feel like I could use 10 more hands, but I can't afford <laughs> 10 more hands. Um, and so that's just, that's hard for any business. Talk to me about scale. I'm glad you talked about um, having needing more hands. Um, what has it been like to scale? Like, how big do you want this thing? Like, would you ever, like, sell it to, like, I'm just throwing a name out, Herman Miller or something. Like, you, you know how people do that. Like, yeah. Herman owns teams and, you know. Girl, I'm ready to go Empire State of Mind. <laughs> I want a rug line, a furniture line, wallpaper, fabric. Like I love all things design. Um, And so to me, it's always just been about not even how do I make my mark, but how do I make something different? How do I disrupt, you know, the wallpaper industry? Like how do I do something that somebody hasn't seen before? Um, So I'm just open to where this company is going to go, but I would like to keep growing, to keep, you know, employing women, um, you know, and keep building this community as well as just putting out good designs. Like I don't want people picking me up just because I'm a black artist and putting out like half-assed designs, excuse my language. I want to put out stuff that can with the best of them and show them what talent can really do. Um, and again, it's not just me, it's a talent of people. It's a community of people. Um, and I'm a big fan of it takes a village and I know it takes a village for this girl. So when I go, we all go and that's what I've always said um so I'm open to seeing where this goes but yeah go big or go home right (laughs) I love that and then also too like how as things get bigger sometimes you become a little bit more hands off how do you feel about that like do you always want to actually still be creating with your hands or do you eventually want to hand that off I will always want to be involved and it's not from a control standpoint it's almost to make sure that we remain grounded in who we are and what we started and what we're about. Um, I can actually send this to you, but you know how people have those little sayings on their walls, you know, like the farmhouse sayings, like in this house, we do love, we do grace, we do whatever. Well, I kind of came up with my own um, for my team. And so that's kind of what our mission statement was. And it really was about making sure that we are being intentional about who we are and what we're about. And I don't ever want to lose that as well as the aesthetic aesthetic of what we are. And so that's hard when you have people that are like, oh, well, I could be an investor and I could do this and I can do that. And that sounds great and very appealing, but I don't want to lose what Candace Luter represents because at the end of the day, yeah, my name is on there and I have to stand by whatever happens or doesn't happen with this company. Yeah, you always have me thinking of just going back to black business like Arlen Hamilton. I follow her, listen to her podcast. I met her. Um, I was a sales director for a series of cohort specifically for women, but it was really a lot of incubation of like entrepreneurs and helping people with their pitch decks, helping them raise a series A, a series B. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she only invests in um, marginalized communities and she's on her way to being a billionaire. Like basically she was told, well, this would never work. Venture capital. Uh-huh black owned yep. business never work and of course she's showing that it is working that. um so like just that i'm just immersed in all of that just like okay this person's doing that this person's doing this mm-hmm. uh, so i'm glad that you want it to be big and you want it to remain you know um um 
value-based, right? Yeah, I want to remain pure and then mm-hmm. for people along with me with the channels and the doors have been open to me. You know, like, let's say you're a great ceramicist and we connect. It's like, well, hey, Nicole, what do you think about co-collaborating on a ceramic line to help elevate you? You know, it's not just about where I'm going. It's about where we can go together. And I think that's what makes the difference is that you're not just looking out for yourself. It's about everybody else to give them a pathway as well. Yeah, and I think the old school way of doing business is like capitalism kind of mm-hmm. competition and you're, you're, you know, you're supposed to crush the competition kind of vibe. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think that you could run it any way you see fit, right? If there's yep. a community and a collaboration, then that's the kind of business you'll be building. Yeah, you know? I'm, a, I'm a big fan of what you get out or what you put out you you know bring in and so I think if my intentions are pure and I'm doing things the right way that I feel like I'm being led you know to do then the world will make room for me in that they absolutely will um talk to me about the part you don't like there's always something in business (laughs) or a part of it because entrepreneurs everyone knows they work like 60 70 80 hours a week yeah never really off I got a list (laughs) (laughs) tell me about the part is like you know what I love my job but this is the part that kind of gets on my nerves oh it's the business aspect it's the it's the bookkeeping it's the you know that kind of stuff I so I've really just realized where I'm good at and where I'm not good at and I've just hired people to just do those things and for any small business when you say hire you're like oh I don't have money to do that it could be somebody that works at you know a bookkeeping company that then is willing to do it for you on the side you know for cheaper like somebody you can always find somebody to do something and be good at it and it doesn't have to cost an arm and a leg but you can't wear all the hats um so me it's more like the organization aspect that I just can't handle and I realize I just need to stay in the creative realm um but I will say like I've noticed about myself I struggle a lot with anxiety and so sometimes I'll open my emails and I just feeling me immediately overwhelmed and so that's something that I've learned about myself and so there's different sort of tricks and things that I do to process through that and then there's also times where I might get to one o'clock and I'm like you know what I'm done for the rest of the day so I'm understanding where my boundaries are so I'm not getting burnout you know so I'm not hating the job you know and things like that and I have not um, been afraid to ask for help and so I ask for help a lot if I just physically or mentally or you know can't do something um but yeah I mean there's there's a lot of things that I don't like about the business side of it but I have to wear a few of those hats in order to make sure that the company is like driving in the way that it needs to but I definitely ask for help all the time (laughs) oh yeah you ain't said nothing but a word sis that's the part I did not like Mm -mm. like who love spreadsheeting all day so not my vibe no you unsubscribe (laughs) right and I think social media does a terrible job of the way that we all represent ourselves and so there was a long time that I felt self-defeated because I thought in order to be successful I have to look like this I have to be organized I have to be a morning person I have to you know have a planner and like all of this stuff I think like I've mentioned before and there's people that can help do those things so you can be good at what you're good at. So there's no sense in me wasting my time organizing receipts if I could be over here bidding and doing what I do best. Yeah, they say to like double down on your true gift and not waste time yeah. to do something paid or something you know you're not going to be, you know, great mm-hmm. or passionate about. Um, and then how do you like outside of your business, which I know is takes a lot of your time, like how do you decompress? What's something that Candace likes to do to like decompress? Nap. <laughs> I have become such a homebody. Um, I will not be the one going out to a bar, going here or there. I usually am going over to a girlfriend's house with a bottle of wine and my pajamas and just being me, because anything that feels like it's sucking energy or requires energy for me to be a part of it, I usually won't do it. Which is funny because I used to be in this world of like business development and trade shows and wearing heels and going out and networking. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. the thought of that makes me want to jump off. <laughs> yeah, so I'm usually at home, vegging out, watching Netflix, hanging out with my dog. It sounds really sad and pathetic, but it's like my favorite thing to do. <laughs> no, rest is everything. And yeah. doing, I think you're productive enough with the yeah. design aspect. So you don't need to have all this. I know I'm like, you're like, you have projects even when you're not like working or whatever. I'm so addicted mm-hmm. to busy. So even I have to like check myself and be like, 
it's okay to just literally lay there and do nothing, Nicole, you know? Yes, but do you feel guilty? Because I do sometimes, like, thinking about all the tasks that need to be done. But if I took 25 off, there'd be 50 more that need to come on, you know? Yeah, a little bit. I'm always, it, it, it is a challenge to just, like, for real. I, I know, like, sometimes when I fall asleep in the middle of the day, I'm like, you slug. Like, <laughs> you know, like I, well, who do you think you are napping in the middle of the day like you're in the leisure class, you know? Yes. Um. So sometimes, yeah, sometimes I'm like, it's okay. And then, you know, I have, like, a cousin who's like my sister. She's like, girl, you, your body keeps the yes. score. You know, your body keeps the score. You need to rest. And so I'm glad that you do nothing. And that yeah. is a legitimate hobby to just decompress and rest. I, I, going to a girlfriend's house with a bottle of wine is also my jam. Yes. So, um, I love that that you do that. Um, and then, like, what's next? Anything you want to share that's exciting for Kansas Luter design? Yeah. Um, <laughs> anything that I can contractually talk about? Oh, yeah. Like, I don't, don't kill your contract now. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, you know, I am just excited at the opportunities that are coming through the door. And I say that only just because, yeah, it's exciting, but I also feel like I'm doing a terrible job of marketing myself. So I'm always surprised and happy when I see these small connections that come in and people that genuinely want to see my brand grow and that's the most exciting part um and giving us a vision and a path for you know the rest of my team to be excited about because in this day and age as we can see like recessions can pop up pandemics can pop up and you just never know i mean th these are things that people want they're not things that people need and so you're always kind of in the back of your mind like what's the longevity of that mm -hmm. um, but i'm shifting in a new direction and like we've talked about you know i'm looking into potential manufacturing you know where we can but again still keeping as much as we can in-house and sort of that hand touch um, but I have a couple of designs that are not anything that, you know, I've put out before. And so I can't wait to expand in other areas of decor that I want to just get my feet wet and see where it goes. So 2023, we'll have a lot of exciting things to announce uh, that we're working on right now. And so being a part of those meetings is equally as exciting as much as it's like, oh, now I need to go take a nap. <laughs> that took a lot out of me. Designing and napping. Look, yes. look. Thank <laughs> you. I love that. Um, I'm. I am just so excited for you. I'm so you. grateful to get to know you, and that you took the time to be on my modest show. You have to wear. Oh, stop it. <laughs> anytime, anytime, girl. This was. This was actually like the. You know, the most fun of my day was just to like shit you know shoot the shit and just you know keep it real and talk with somebody so i'm always on for that <laughs> oh yeah you can always come on here unfiltered and be like look these are the changes that need to happen in the design world and i'll totally record it and put it out um but yes um thank you for being on you have to wear something and you know you have to put something on your walls guys so if you do you need to reach out to Candace Luter. She is on Etsy. She has um, a website. Like, it's, she's pretty easy to find. And um, I wish you and your daughter and your team all the best. Thank you. I appreciate it. That means a lot to us. We're very excited at what the future looks like. Yay. Okay. And as I always say, till we talk next time, next time, folks, and peace.